Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. What got me into living a more healthier lifestyle started way back when I was a teenager. And at the age of 13, I sadly lost my mother. And she was at the time only 43, a tender 43 years old, considerably younger than what I am now. And she passed away and I was only 13 at the time. Uh, she died of a heart attack and that really rocked the family because she was the heart and soul of the family and those of you who have a mother or who are a mother you'll you you'll resonate with this right somebody that you know who's the heart and soul of your family and so when she passed on so unexpectedly and because of her heart attack it really deeply reverberated in my heart and my bones and i started to become fearful of death, fearful of illness and disease and falling sick. And then <clears throat> a number of years later, I sadly lost my father due to cancer. And that was a big shock for myself and my brother as well, that here are our parents and they both passed on. Now to add to it, I'd lost my grandfather, my dad's dad, due to cancer as well. Uh, and my grandmom, she was immobile for the last 10 years of her life. So I was surrounded by people who either had chronic illnesses or acutely passed away due to an illness. And that really rocked me. and It really just shook me up. And I decided to take well-being, wellness more seriously. And that's what happened. That's what, that was my genesis of my journey. And that started to, I was led by fear. Essentially, I felt that I've got to, I've got to, get healthy and fit because I don't want to be like my parents or my grandparents. I don't want to die. So I was motivated by fear. And I want to put this to you that in your life, what are you motivated by in your health or your wellness or your career? Is it by fear or is it by love or pleasure? And I'm not saying that being motivated by fear is a wrong thing. Okay. I'm not going to be like those coaches who say that. I'm going to just say that we've got to harness that fear in a conducive way. So I want you to just think about, hey, my cousin Subash has joined who's a role model for me, a brilliant guy. Hey, Subash. <clears throat> Subash Pai is here. So folks, think of who you have, who's been a role model in your life. And, you know, in this area of health or wellness, who do you look at in your family or your friends as somebody who you aspire to be? Because sometimes we lack that motivation. But when we look up at somebody who's already achieved that health, that wellness, somebody who's already that way, you know, it creates a framework for us a hook for us to become better ourselves so it starts with becoming a becoming aware of who could be a role model for you and i'm not saying pick somebody unrealistic but pick somebody who you admire for their health for their well-being and who you feel that you can learn from and that's a powerful place to start right there if you start there 
then you can really start to build in your mind a picture of the kind of person, the kind of health that you want. So what you're doing is you're encoding this into your brain. You're starting to program your brain and create new neural pathways to make healthy living an active choice in your life. A lot of us don't make healthy living an active choice. We all want to. Most of us want to be healthy, but we don't always put in the work. We don't always, uh, or we do put in the work, but we get derailed, right? Who can relate to this? How many of you out here have tried a workout routine or a diet or tried to overcome a chronic or a acute illness and then sometimes you've fallen flat, you've sometimes suffered? How many of you are in that situation? How many of you have experienced that, right? I mean, you're... <laughs> I know I'm not the only one and all of us I think can experience in some stage in our life where we've been trying to be better, healthier, fitter, whatever it is, but sometimes it gets derailed due to various problems along the way. And so having a role model, somebody who we can look up to and visualizing and kind of meditating on how they are, how they show up, that's a powerful tool to add doesn't have to be somebody that you know even. It could be a celebrity or uh, an icon, somebody that you admire. But look up to somebody. And I've always done that. I used to admire Jean-Claude Van Damme, the martial artist, and Bruce Lee. So Bruce Lee and Jean-Claude Van Damme were my icons. In, 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 you know, when I was in my teenage years and into my 20s, I used to admire these guys. I thought they're really fit. I took up martial arts because of Bruce Lee. Some of you guys who do martial arts, guys or gals, you'll know what I'm talking about. So start to think of who could be a role model. The second thing is try to understand your why, why it is that you want to become healthier. Now, that sounds like a dumb question, right? Well, I want to be healthier because I want to live better. I'm not talking about just a why on a superficial level. What I'm inviting you to do is dig deep. Uncover the real reason that you want to get healthier. For me, that reason wasn't because I wanted to lose a few pounds and get fitter and look good and you know, look lean. It was actually because I was a scared. I just didn't want to die early like my parents. That was my why. My why was I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to die than my parents, my grandparents. I'm not going to die that way. I'm not going to be ill. I'm going to really push myself to be really fit. Now, there's a downside to that. Hey, guys, welcome. Welcome, everybody, as you've been coming in. You know, there's a dark side to that, right? You can't let that go too far the other way. Otherwise, bad things happen. But Understanding your why is a very, very healthy thing to do. Knowing your why, knowing why you're doing something, so powerful. So try to understand what your why is. I'm multitasking here, so bear with me, guys. Um, try to understand your why and go deeper. When you think you've got your why, go deeper. Look, Jyoti's kicked in. I want to live longer and enjoy my grandchildren whenever they come home, when they, whenever they come along. Fantastic reason why, right? You want to live longer and you want to have time with the people that you love. Similarly, what is your why? Like, folks, if you're tuned in, what is it that drives you? And whatever it is, dig deeper and see if there's something underneath. For me, it was fear, right? That fear of death and fear of illness. What is it for you? Hey, Sonal. Hi, everyone. Welcome. 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 Think of your reason why. And I want you to do this. Imagine your reason of why being like a dial, right? Like a volume dial on your car stereo or your hi-fi, if you still got a hi-fi these days, right? <laughs> Imagine your why and then visualize it being on a scale of 1 to 10 on your hi-fi dial or your car stereo dial. Where is it? Is it a 3? Is it a 4? Now, what I want you to do is visualize you turning up the volume on your why. Turn up the volume on your why. What is that why? 
whatever that why is, amplify it. Amplify it. So start there. Amplify that reason why. And here's why. Here's why we need to do this. The deeper you get into your why, the more clear you get on your why, the more chances you have to succeed in your health and wellness goals. Does that make sense? I'm also going to clear a myth or a misunderstanding, and that is the use of the words wellness and well-being. We often conflate the two and use them synonymously, right? Some people say health, uh, some people call it wellness, and some people call it well-being. But actually, the words wellness and well-being have two different connotations. Wellness is typically concerned with our physical health. Not only our physical health, but it tends to be with our physical and to a degree our mental health. That is what wellness is, whereas well-being is the umbrella. Well-being covers our physical health, our mental health, our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being, all these aspects of our being. So well-being as a topic looks more holistically at where we are in our lives. And wellness is a subset, so that little distinction helps you. So coming back to what I'm saying, when you get strong and clearer on your why, it'll help to It'll help you to persist where you otherwise would have given up. You know, say you're one of your things is that I'm going to get exercise and I want to lose some weight and I want to get fitter. Well, let's say you choose running as your method of choice or going to the gym. Well, what happens when the gym's closed? What happens when you can't run? The weather's not good. Most people would give up. Many people would say, well, I can't do it. But that means this why isn't strong enough. Your, if your why is so strong saying that, look, I've got to be fit and healthy no matter what, whether I have a gym or a no gym, whether I can run or not run, whatever it is, I will get a certain amount of physical activity in my day by hook or by crook. When you start thinking like that, you start to overcome the obstacles that healthy living presents. You start to overcome the barriers to healthier living. You overcome the barriers to better mental health because your why is much stronger. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna start answering some questions. Really folks, please feel free to ask some questions. I'll run this live as long as there are questions. I won't overstay my welcome here uh, while I'm going through this, right? So feel free to ask your questions here on Facebook or if you're tuned in on LinkedIn, feel free to ask your questions right here on LinkedIn as well. Okay, so. There's a question from Shoab. Uh, Shoab is asking, what's the first thing you did for a healthy lifestyle? The first thing I did for a healthy lifestyle is actually get clear on my why. I wanted to get clear on my why. I thought my why, as I said, was one thing. But when I dug deeper, when I got into coaching and personal development, you know, I had coaches, <laughs> I, I had treatment, I had therapy, I went through hypnosis, I went through a lot of work on myself to be a coach and a consultant and a trainer today I went through a lot and so I had to dig deep to understand that why and so when I discovered that why that was the first step towards my healthy lifestyle I realized why I wanted to do it then I looked at what I needed to do and believe me that was not that was completely imperfect I had no expertise at the time I was just fumbling my way I just thought my friends go run and play tennis I'll do the same 
eventually I found that my knees weren't very happy with the tennis playing, right? My elbow wasn't great. <laughs> so I went through a lot of trial and error. But my why, my underlying reason, drove me to make better success along that way. I hope that makes sense. So that was the first thing I did. The second thing I did was I started to experiment. I started to play around. How can I get healthier? Where can I go with this? So I looked at which areas. And what it broke down for me is that there are several aspects to physical health. Let's, let's talk about physical health for a minute since we're on that subject. You have exercise, some sort of physical movement. You then have diet and, diet and nutrition, right? The second one. Thirdly, you have supplementation. What kind of supplements, natural supplements especially, can help you? For example, methyl sulfoxymethone, MSM, is great, uh, has, has shown great results for connectivity problems, tissue problems, aches and pains in bones and joints, grows hair better. Then the fourth aspect is behavior and habits. So these four help to typically build up the pillar of physical well-being. Okay, so physical exercise, diet, nutrition, supplements and routines and protocols, routines and habits. So when you start to experiment with those, you can start to see which ones might work for you. Does that make sense? So start to experiment. That's the second thing I did. Pick a few things and start to experiment. There's, you know, you've got Dr. Google, you've got the Internet so you can look up stuff. You have people that you can ask and reach out to and start to experiment it because one size doesn't fit all. Everybody's not cut out. And going to enjoy the gym. Some people aren't going to run, enjoy running. Some people aren't going to enjoy going in a cage and doing martial arts, mixed martial arts. So play around with stuff according to your age, your inclination, and your circumstances. So I hope that helps. Let's move in and let's see another question here. Thank you. You guys are asking questions. It's great to have questions here. <clears throat> Jyoti is asking, do you believe well-being is misunderstood? I think well-being is not sufficiently understood, I would say. Yes, there is some misunderstanding in well-being, but I actually think the people that I come across, the people that I coach, and the people that even in, in group training and coaching that I do, I tend to find that most people do have a, an the right appreciation of well-being, and by extension, wellness, but they don't have the full picture. They don't have a sufficiently broad picture of it. They think that well-being is just physical well-being physical wellness they forget that mental the mental game plays a big part they forget that actually when they exercise their body you've got to exercise your mind because you know we're using our mind so much during our day if you're if we are a, if you're a professional or a business owner especially your cognitive resources are used every single day sometimes they're drained right that's why we get mental fatigue so looking at well-being holistically physically mental well-being, emotional well-being, right? You could be mentally really sharp, have a high IQ. You could have strong physicality, strong PQ, but your EQ, your emotional intelligence could be poor. So you could be stressed out. You could be getting angry. You get guilt, you know, resentment. So many negative emotions may be ruling you despite your high IQ and despite your high PQ. Does that make sense? And then there are other people who've got those things, but their spiritual quotient, that's missing. You know, their purpose, their reason, why they exist, why they want to be in this world, who they want to show up as in this world. All those things are missing in there. And so then they're missing that. And when you're missing that, that, you know, that creates the juice of life, man. If you don't have your reason, your purpose underlying, then a lot of the other stuff just starts to, it just starts to crumble. I hope that kind of makes sense. 
So what else do we have here? Thanks for that question, Jyoti, by the way. Uh, and I hope that was a helpful answer for you and for everyone here that, you know, well-being is wider than just the physicality. That's a key take home message here. We've got to look at the other aspects. Uh, Mahima asks, Mahima, hi, how do you get to define your why? Great question. I explained a little earlier. You get to define your why. One way to do this is to, exp to imagine what life would be without the result of your why. I'll say that again. Imagine if your why is, I want to be around when my grandchildren are here. So imagine the opposite. Like what would life be if you weren't here for your grandchildren or your grandchildren never turned up? What would be the opposite? When you look at the opposite, sometimes it's easier to understand what your why truly needs to be. You know, it's like sometimes when you date, right? You know, when you're dating to find the one and find a great partner, you sometimes go through so many different dates and relationships and you find that some of them are good, some of them are not bad. But what happens is by having different relationships and dating different people, you get to know more about what you don't want or don't like in a partner. And therefore you get clearer, and clearer on what you do want. It's kind of like that with your why. The more you understand what you don't want, the more you can understand what you really do want, your why. Does that make sense? So I hope that helps. Um, that's a really good question, Mahima. So I hope that that is one vehicle that you can use to understand your why. And like I said before, don't stop at that why once you get it. Go down a level. Try and figure out a little deeper what really is your why. Because usually emotional intelligence, which is an area that I love and I'm passionate and I teach about, tells us that usually the emotion that we experience has an underlying emotion. So look for that underlying emotion. Dig deep a little bit. One way to do that is sit still in meditation in silence without social media and disturbances. I hope that helps. So um, what else do we have here? Anamika, Anamika, hi. How do you know when you have reached deep enough to your why? You know when you've reached deep enough because it moves you emotionally. Stay with me. It physically you start feeling a sort of a tingling, a tingling or like goosebumps because you feel like, wow, or something in your gut. Right. Or you feel this kind of welling energy coming up like, oh, I've really hit my why right there. Right. So emotionally, you feel excited. You feel like, yes, I've got it. Physically, you feel some sensation. Mentally, it feels right. Logically. Right. So your logic is clicked. And it's like. Yeah, that makes sense. So your logic and intellect start to align as well, most of the time. And they start to align. And then fourthly, spiritually, you feel there's this deep connection that you feel like, wow, I have just hit the thing that I want to do in this life. This is why I need to get my health right. It's not just for me. It's for my children. It's for my grandchildren. It's for my beloved. You know, I got to get my health right so I can be there for the people that I care about. I hope that makes sense. Thanks, Mahima. Yeah, living, I agree, having with SQ, yeah, the spiritual question. So let's talk about that for a second. We're all familiar with IQ. Most of us know that IQ, right? Intellectual quotient. It's a measure of our intellect, our cognitive ability, our mental fitness level. But actually, aside from IQ, there are other, there are other quotients. You then have the emotional quotient. The emotional quotient is a measure of how emotionally self-controlled we are, how well we can behave in circumstances that are difficult, how well we ride with our emotions, how well we can control them and regulate our emotions, how self-aware we are. 
That all comes into EQ, emotional intelligence. Then you have PQ, your physical quotient. And the physical quotient is about how body aware you are, how connected with your body and mind are you. Are you. Make sense? And then you have your SQ, your spiritual quotient. Your spiritual, your spiritual quotient is dictating how connected you are with your inner being your and the world around you how connected you are to god to that spiritual side that aspect so these four quotients competencies or measurements are markers for a healthy well-being or a healthy wellness experience in our lives i hope that makes sense Mahima says, I've been having these feelings of, wow, recently been digging deeper. Yeah, that's the magic, right? And hey, listen, here's one thing. Sometimes the feelings may not be a wow. Sometimes they might be like, oh my God. And you might even get disturbed. Don't judge it. That's part of this journey. Sometimes you need to feel something here. And it may not always be a happy thing. It might be, a dis it might be an uncomfortable feeling like, oh my God. How have I managed to live my life so wrong, so bad? When that happens, sit with that pain, but resist the temptation to judge yourself for it because you can't change what's gone, right? We, we can't change what's gone. What we want to do is allow that self-criticism to have its voice for a little while. And then you thank your inner critic and say, thank you for pointing out all the mistakes I've made. I got this from now. I'm going to make some changes. And then you start to make those changes. Does that make sense? Good. Any other questions coming through? I'm sitting here patiently seeing if anybody wants to ask any other questions. You know, <laughs> let me just share this. You know, the funny thing about doing this, like going live like this without some script speaking from the heart speaking from the experience that you know i or whoever else goes live has you know you never know who or how many people are going to show up right <laughs> so on the one hand the ego gets upset saying ah oh, nobody showed up and on the other hand the heart is saying hey i want to give it doesn't matter whether one person shows up or 20 or 300 people show up i'm going to give myself i'm going to give off myself to people here because that's part of my dharma that's part of my my calling in life so I put to you, what's your calling in life? What calling in life do you have that you would do, that you can do, even if people don't turn up? What would you do? What would that be? Who would you be in that scenario? It's not easy. <laughs> you know, and, and part of me thinks like, okay, um, either everybody's got their health sorted out or their well-being is sorted out. They don't really need to attend it. Or they're super saturated because there's so much stuff on health and well-being that ah, they don't kind of want another one. They're just indifferent about it. Or they're just ignorant and it's not a high priority. Maybe it's not a big deal for them, right? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> even as a coach, right, I have to be careful not to judge and say, oh, people didn't join. Well, that's a judgment. You see how easy it is to get into the judgment trap. What we've got to favor is discernment. Rather than going towards judgment, we've got to go for discernment. Discernment, discerning stuff is far healthier than judging stuff. Does that make sense? When we learn to discern, that's a great one, right? Learn to discern rather than judge. 
Learn to discern rather than judge. It's easy to judge somebody for what they are in their life. That somebody who's not fit say, well, they're fat and you know they're lazy. We know so many people who may be overweight, but it's not because of laziness. There could be mental, physical, emotional layers and reasons why they're not fit, why they're overweight, right? So I think one lesson I want to share, and I'm kind of going into urban spirituality, right? The stuff that I talk about in my podcast, Urban Spirituality. So we've got to move away from judgment and move towards discernment. <clears throat> in other words, we move away from false ego, from our ego mind to our emotional and rational mind where we can use discernment and compassion and curiosity right to make a better appraisal of the people the person or the situation that we have in front of us even for ourselves even for ourselves right sometimes we judge ourselves really harshly like i'm a loser i'll never lose weight i'll never get fit i'm 50 i'm nearly 50 right i can't do this i can't do that we judge ourselves so crazy and we disempower ourselves that's the problem with judgment when we judge others or ourselves we're disempowering ourselves instead go for discerning discern discerning means hey i've had this situation over here but what can i learn from this situation ah okay i'm lazy and i don't like physical activity but what do i do like oh i, I like walking with the dog oh great I'll, I'll do that or another one right Okay, I'm, 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 I'm terrible at learning things. I, I have a, you know, I'm just thick. I, I, I'm not clever. I'm not smart. Instead of beating yourself up and judging like that, saying, which is also the voice of the people who've told us that, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough, right? Instead, go for discernment. <clears throat> discernment says, hey, you know what? Gosh, I find learning really hard, right? Um, and I have limited mental capacity. But you know what I do have? I have determination. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start by doing micro chunks. So now you've discerned, you've created a distinction that you can take advantage of. So we're moving from a disempowering behavior of judging to a more empowering behavior of discerning and using our distinction. And discernment requires our intellectual and our rational and our emotional abilities. Does that make sense? So see how you can apply the principle of judgment versus discernment with your own health and well-being. You know, emotional well-being, mental well-being, physical well-being, all of these. Good. Let's see what any question other questions have come through. Sleep. Ah, Sangeeta. Hey, Sangeeta. Sleeping problems. Any tips? Okay, so sleeping problems. There are countless tips about sleep. Um, most of them involving cutting away from technology in the last hour of bed, at least the last hour. Not eating too close to bedtime. Avoiding the use of blue light based devices late at night. Avoiding physical activity late at night. There's four tips right there. Avoiding rich foods at night. Really just not eating in the last three hours of your wake, waking state, right? In the last three hours before bed, fine. Having a conducive environment to sleep. So I've gone six now, right? More darkness, adequate warmth and cold, right? If it's too cold or too warm, you won't be able to sleep so good. Avoiding disturbing noises and sounds, avoiding electronic devices and radio, radio waves and your electromagnetic activity that could disturb some people. And then sixthly, calming the mind before you sleep, using meditation. If you can't do meditation, mindfulness, maybe a little bit of reading, but not on your phone, physical book. These are all ways to help to improve your sleep. And then there are supplements that you can have. I even have a sleep meditation. Um, Sangeeta, if you ping me privately, I'll send you 
a special sleep meditation that I share with my clients, but I'm happy to gift it to you. And you can use that to see how that helps. It's a subliminal programming to help you to sleep better. Um, so that may help as well. Um, Anamika, back again with another question. How do you create a habit that you can stick to? Great question. I'm going to give you a simple and practical answer. Whatever habit you want to stick to, divide it into four or five. Divide it into one fourth the habit and go and move towards that one quarter. Okay, so if you want to get to the gym and be really fit and then lose a stone or gain a stone, right? Or if you want to be sharper and smarter, don't go and try and do a 10-week course or an MBA. Go and take a small course and do something. If you want to lose some weight or get fitter, don't go and just sign up to the gym and go five days a week. Just go one day a week or just start with 10-minute walking a day. So what I'm saying is whatever habit you want to create, chunk it down into one-fifth or one-sixth of the size of that habit and go with just that small piece. Aim for that. Navigate yourself around that. Look to achieve it. When you get close to it, Check out the lessons that you've learned along the way, right? Sense check it. And once you've learned the lessons, move on to the next part of that four or five steps of that overall habit that you want to get. Does that make sense? Because what you're doing is you're learning, you're improving your willpower and strength, your persistence muscles, your resilience muscles, and you're learning to course correct. You're getting to know yourself as a person, what you like, what you don't like how you work better, how your mind and body respond better. So you start to control the situation in a more gradual and natural way. So I hope that helps. Janak, my brother, welcome, welcome, Janak. Such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for your kind words, my friend. Thank you. It means a lot. <clears throat> We've known each other for 30 years, man. I mean, you've seen the unfit me back in college days, right? <laughs> that lazy guy who didn't want to do any fit stuff. I didn't get into fitness till I was... The only thing I did was martial arts. I didn't even get into fitness till I was 30, dude. 30. I only started getting... I didn't even know what a gym looked like until I was 30, right? Nearly 20 years ago. And I only started then. So it's never too late. Mahima, thank you. Um, thank you for your kind comment. That's, that's really nice of you to say so. I'm just sharing experiences with myself, my clients, whoever that can help, you know? And Jyoti, that's a great point. Just give and let the universe connect. That's really great for SQ, for spiritual quotient. That really makes a lot of sense. I've got some other questions coming in, so I'm going to get in there and ask and see what other questions are coming in. Let's see what's coming in. Learn to discern. Yeah, nice. Can you explain this with an example? Mahima, I hope I did give you an example how to do that. Um, let's have a look here. Judith. Judith is here. Judith. So nice to have you. Let's just see what question you had here. I hope I haven't lost your question. Um, let me see what your question was right here. Anamika coming back. Gosh, I'm loving these questions and comments. I'm just looking for any more questions or comments that have come through, which I'm not seeing at the moment. Let's see if there's anything else coming in from LinkedIn. Right, let's have a look what's coming in on LinkedIn. Judith, I've lost your question. Could you re-ask your question in the chat, please? Uh, wherever you're tuned in from uh, on Facebook or LinkedIn, if you just fire that question back at me, I'll gladly look to try to answer that question again. Any other questions, folks, coming in?
are you looking at your well-being or uh, and really uh, uh, you call it wellness i call it well-being the well-being is everything right your physical quotient your mental or intellectual quotient your emotional quotient and your spiritual quotient all four needed there so look at it holistically look at all four because that's the power of doing this let's see what else is going on here okay um, no sheen is coming in no sheen says after a week I lose the motivation oh man listen you can I just firstly tell you you are definitely not the only one <laughs> you're definitely not you're the only one it's normal for people to lose that motivation you know life gets in the way life really gets in the way and sometimes when we have life events they rock our motivation they affect us mentally or emotionally invariably it's mentally or emotionally or physically right and when we're rocked in these two departments it can be derailing on the progress in our health or our well-being or it can rock us um, what I would say to you is when you're in a situation where that's happened go back and look at your why go back and look at the reasoning behind why you want to get fit and sometimes it's the people Right, the people that you care for, the people that you love, that you want to be healthy and fit, to be around them, to be there for them. Right, go back and look at that motivation during those weeks when you're down or when you feel you've lost it. Go back and look at what you want to achieve in the future. So, you're doing some, you're looking at the people that you love and the people that you care for, and those reasons, and then you're looking at some goal that you want to achieve. Right, that you want to achieve a certain position in your career or your business, and that you've got to be healthy and fit to do that. And when you start to do that in those times when you're down, you can start to reignite the desire to go and do it. And then don't go crazy and try and do it all in one big, right? Don't go over the top. Just go and take it in small pieces again. Does that make sense? So that way you're easing back into it without going crazy. Nice. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us see it this way. Judith uh, has asked a question. I got that. I've started to do my yoga daily. Brilliant. Who does yoga daily? Who, who does yoga daily here? She goes, I get my headaches every time before I start. What do you think I may, may cause this? So it could be depending on the time of day that you're doing your yoga, or it could be due to the foodstuffs that you may have eaten prior to doing yoga. Even if you've eaten a couple of hours before, the food that you've consumed may not have been conducive to yoga. That's one reason. Second reason is the timing of that yoga session. It may not be conducive for your body at that time or you may not be used to it. You know, sometimes when I want to go and do a weights workout, I have just no energy. It's not, it's just the timing of the day, you know, with the, with our cycles during the day. Um, we have rhythmic inner body cycles and I, I sometimes just don't feel it. So if you're feeling you're getting headaches, it could be one of those reasons one way to try it out if that's the problem is change your timing for yoga just even if you do 10 minutes of yoga by yourself try yoga by yourself elsewhere try a different slot and try doing it away from food or different food so again you know it comes back to what i said you've got a trial and error when it comes to mental physical emotional fitness you've got a trial and error stuff man everybody's got a trial and error so try that out see what difference it makes Judith also says, I'm also changing my diet and going back to being a vegetarian. I'm definitely a fan of a plant-based diet 
or a sattvic diet as they call it in Ayurveda in Sanskrit. Uh, that is not to say anything against anyone who is not vegetarian. A personal experience of mine, because I used to eat meat, pretty much any kind of meat, um, and then switching over to being, becoming a vegetarian, and then later, um, in the past 10 years, becoming a vegan, it's been a positive, positive progression for me. Now, everybody's different. It doesn't mean that it will work for you, but generally, the people that I've come and I've coached and I've worked with over the years, many, many, many people tend to find they do better on a plant-based or at least a vegetarian diet in terms of their health factors, their health markers tend to improve. But that's not an excuse to not to do physical exercise, right? Uh, it's not an excuse to get the mental fitness training in as well, if that makes sense. Some people may eat meat, then in which case maybe you choose to eat a different kind of meat or eat meat sparingly um, and use it more judiciously. And I think this is a, a truth in life. We should always consume according to the activity and the need and the demand that we have. Because that's a much more organic and a natural way to live. Rather than being led by our senses, by our senses, oh, the desire for taste and food being the boss, we should let our demands and our needs be the boss of how we consume and how we work out. Does that make sense? Let's see if there's any other questions coming in. Jay, KC, hey Jay. Through your trial and error experiences before you began coaching, which type of therapy coaching had the biggest impact for you? Yeah, great question. If I look back at that, um, it was a combination of actually good old-fashioned counseling, just having somebody to speak to and being able to talk and just hear from them having some mentoring people who were not necessarily coaching directly, but they were mentoring me. I looked up to them. They gave me advice and wisdom because coaching sometimes can be very sort of like non-prescriptive. At that time in my 20s, early 20s, I needed mentoring. I needed a role model. I needed somebody who could guide me. A Mr. Miyagi, if you can call it that, because I'm a fan of the uh, new Karate Kid and the old Karate Kid. Um, a Mr. Miyagi, right? I needed that sensei in my life. So having mentoring helped me a lot. And then the other thing that I found quite interesting and valuable was a little bit of hypnotherapy. And you know, it's one of the things that I now use in my coaching practice with people. I like to inject a little bit of hypnotherapy in certain situations, not all of them. Uh, everything is individually based. And hypnotherapy, did I did well with that. It actually helped to, what it did, it helped to start to untangle some of my subconscious beliefs that I couldn't reach because my conscious mind was too strong it's too vocal it wouldn't let me get behind into my subconscious and loosen up some of those old behaviors does that make sense sadia sadia welcome i lose weight so slowly that that i lose motivation uh sadia that was me for many years <laughs> let me give you some hope let me give you some hope if you can find a way to reduce even by a little bit the food that you eat and increase your energy consumption by physical movement, walking, steps, just an extra 2,000 steps a day. If you can reduce a little bit of consumption and increase a little bit of energy expenditure, and if you can maintain that for at least six weeks minimum, six to 12 weeks minimum, you will start to notice, most people will start to notice a change, a shift. It can be as simple as that. Can I put that to you to try and see how that goes? And uh, touch base, let us know how you're going on with that. 
and we're slightly over time I'm gonna just check check if there are any more questions Anamika hey Anamika again um, thank you for taking ah thank you for taking the time to inform us but more to answer all of our questions thank you um, can I ask in relation to sleep how do how how do you maintain sleep I fall asleep but can't stay asleep that's a good one right so there are quite a lot of people who can fall asleep quickly but they can't maintain that sleep good question and you asked about, do you need a minimum of eight hours? Um, I have a good friend, Anandi. She's a sleep guru. UK, uh, uh, in fact, UK is probably best known celebrity sleep guru, Anandi Francis. She's a good friend. And um, I did an episode of my podcast, Urban Spirituality, with Anandi. So you'd get the answers to those questions, exactly those questions in that episode. So if you check out Urban Spirituality on iTunes or Spotify, and look up Urban Spirituality, the podcast, and look up my episode with Anandi, A-N-A-N-D-I. There's some great advice she gives around this specific area about is it six hours, is it eight, and about maintaining sleep. But let me just add this point here. To maintain sleep um, requires a certain amount of preparation to ensure that the temperature, the ambiance, the lighting in the room, these things, if they're not improved to what your body particularly needs, then that can cause disruption in your sleep. The other part is your mind. Your mental chatter needs to be calmed down. Typically in the last hour before bed, I tend to find that people who are watching TV or getting too active, social media and stuff, they sometimes have the more disturbed sleeps. Whereas what you wanna be doing that last hour is a bit of reading, meditation, music, calming down, maybe a gentle conversation with somebody, but nothing more than that. So one good thing to do before bed is meditate or be mindful for the last five or 10 minutes, listen to some music, and that tends to re result in an improved REM sleep and a deep sleep cycle. We sleep in ultradians, 90 minute cycles, and that will improve the chances of you remaining in deep sleep. Other than that, let me just add this, and I'm not gonna give advice as a nutritionist here, but as a well-being guy, I'm gonna invite you to explore supplements like ZMA, zinc, magnesium, aspartate, uh, glycine, which is a non-essential amino acid. These two, uh, certainly with clients and friends that I've worked with and helped, they have found benefit by taking glycine and or ZMA um, or both uh, 30 to 40 minutes before bed. And they tend to be non-contraindicative, meaning non-interfering with any medications, but obviously do your own research. But those could be worth exploring. Hope that helps. Buddy has come in. A fellow cottager. Hey, Buddy. Nice to, nice to make your acquaintance. The characteristics of our parents often follow us and we become our parents without even trying. Yeah, that's a good thing and a bad thing, huh? Uh, how do we stop falling into that trap to prevent developing characteristics we don't want to inherit? Wow, powerful question. I could, we could really get into this. Um, the sins of our fathers, right? That's saying the sins of our parents. Let me give you this because I, I did a live uh, podcast on this. Um, about a month about two months ago and i called it how to find and share your story and you can look that up again on urban spirituality the podcast you'll find that one is about two months ago how to find and share your story and in that i explained this many of us have grown up to be who we are because of the stories that we have now told ourselves and the things that our parents have told ourselves and that we've conditioned to believe sometimes if our parents have most parents have tried to do stuff for our own good but the way we interpret things, the way we've taken them, the meaning that we apply to the things that our parents have given us 
can result in us having this negative self-concept. And we build a story that disempowers us. And then we start to exhibit traits that we actually don't want to. They're unwarranted, unhappy, undesirable traits. So one of the first things you can do is to recognize that you and your story are not the same thing. So recognize that you are not your story. Okay? That everybody has a story. The story has helped us to get to where we are today. But that doesn't mean that that story is what will carry us in the future. Sometimes we need to let go of that old story, that old belief about ourselves and start to embrace a new story. And a great way to do that is first, recognize that you're not your story. Secondly, start to chart what your story's been. Write down your story. What is it that your parents taught you that you've become? What is it that you've become that you don't like? Write it down and then create next to it on a separate column, what is it that you'd like to be? Just the act of writing and declaring, writing and declaring will start to help to free you from that old story and give you the opportunity to start to create that new story. I hope that helps, Barry. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments, subscribe and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops or retreats or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality and we will catch you the next episode.